If one of the hardest things to figure out these days is what to watch next, first of all, congrats. Second of all, you should check out HBO Max. Discover something new to watch on HBO Max like Lovecraft Country, the new HBO series from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams that's got everyone buzzing. Plus, HBO Max is the only place you'll find new binge-worthy Max originals like Selena Gomez's new cooking show. You heard that right. Selena Gomez's Learning to Cook, from some of the world's best chefs, no less. Find your next favorite all in one place on HBO Max. Start streaming today. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Let's talk about your cell phone carrier. When you think about your plan, does what you're getting feel fair? When it comes to staying connected, don't settle. When you switch to U.S. Cellular, not only do you upgrade to fair, you're also joining a reliable network you can trust to have your back. No hidden requirements, no activation fees. Now that's fair. Learn more at uscellular.com. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone whose best friends are Russian bots, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chairs are Bill Browder and Josh Browder, an entrepreneurial father and son duo. Bill is a hedge fund manager, the CEO of Hermitage Capital Management, and the author of the best-selling nonfiction book, Red Notice. And his son, Josh, is the CEO of a company called Do Not Pay, which describes itself as the world's first robot lawyer. Bill and Josh, welcome to Recode Decode. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. So I met Bill at a party in an Aspen Security Summit where we were talking about lots of important security issues, of which Bill is rather familiar. He told me about Josh's company, which is a startup in San Francisco, correct? That's right. And I wanted to sort of get them together to talk about this, not just a father and son, but like where entrepreneurism right now, where investing is, where it's an important thing. So let's start first with you, Josh. Explain your company, Do Not Pay. What we do is we help consumers fight for their rights. Right, okay. So um, Facebook has a team of lawyers um, figuring out how to um, mess with and screw the consumer, Mm -hmm. but the average person has no one. So we help you get out of your parking tickets, fight when there's a data breach, do all government paperwork, all the things that is really expensive, but technology is very good at automating. So explain how you do that. Explain how you automate that. So, for example, you get a parking ticket, Mm -hmm. you go on to Do Not Pay, and uh, it asks you questions about your ticket. Based on your answers, it generates all the documents like and finds a loophole to get you out of your parking fine. For example, problems with the signage, things like that. Mm -hmm. So you have to sort of document that with them. That's right. And so how did you come up with this concept? So I was in, um, I'm from the UK, and when I turned 18, I started driving, and I got mm-hmm. about 30 parking tickets, <laughs> and I couldn't afford to pay these really expensive tickets, and so I was and, writing and I the same letter. Gonna, I wasn't yeah. going to pay them for him. Right, okay, <laughs> yeah. good, good parenting right there. All and right. I was writing the same appeal letter over and over again, and I've always loved software, and I thought this can so easily be automated. So it started with parking tickets and then morphed into everything else, and now it works in 150 different areas of so, the law. So the concept of robot lawyer, I mean, I, 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 I welcome it. I have to say I welcome our robot overlord overlords in general. But talk about the concept, because a lot of legal stuff is, you know, a lot of people talk about AI replacing this and that and everything else, but legal stuff seems perfect in that regard. It's really perfect. I don't think bots are going to be arguing in the Supreme Court anytime soon, but for something like consumer rights for a parking ticket, it's really perfect and can give people a lot of leverage. So parking tickets are one thing, but when you're talking about more complex 
legal issues, it's different. So we have this product, it's called owed $500 plus, and you can sue anyone in small claims court for mm-hmm. under $10,000. So if your landlord is not returning your security deposit, you can now fight back. Most people have no idea what to do in that situation. So they have to go to the small claims court. How different is from NOLO or some of the other sites that provide forms and things like that? Well, this actually walks you through from start to finish, everything from the demand letter to uh, forms to a script to mm-hmm. even read in court. To read in court. So, so you're almost a bot yourself following the instructions. Following the instructions. Yeah. And so it's pay a pay thing. So these are relatively small legal issues. Yeah, but sometimes it can be even like $5,000 for a security deposit. Mm-hmm. So, but, but can it morph out into a bigger kind of thing? One of the biggest things that we did is we helped people sue Equifax after the data breach. And mm-hmm. so, uh, well, rec- go through that. That's, so, p- explain what Equifax did. So, Equifax leaked the credentials of hundreds of millions of Americans. And as a result, they got hacked. They, um, had credit card fraud. And so uh, everyone was waiting for this class action settlement years later where everyone, it it now appears people won't even get like dozens of dollars. Mm -hmm. And so what we said is why not take Equifax to small claims court using technology? Mm -hmm. And when we did it, lots of lawyers said this will never work. But it turns uh, because you can't, it's very difficult for an average person to just read a script and prove negligence against a large corporation. Mm -hmm. So it was really an experiment, but it was actually successful. We had um, hundreds of people with win thousands of dollars against Equifax. Meaning saying that they, in a small claims point of view, you have to show harm, correct? That's right. And so people were showing that they were hacked and um, terrible things that happened in their lives as a mm-hmm. result. Mm-hmm. And so what, what's the big picture of doing this besides you getting parking tickets? What's the, the which often entrepreneurial idea comes from stuff like this. But what what's the bigger, how can you carry it out to a larger idea of certain acts that we think of as sort of artisanal almost, that we have to hire lawyers? I, I've, I've interviewed a divorce lawyer who said a lot of this can be automated, for example. I see do not pay as a sort of consumer union. We have workers unions, so why mm. not have a consumer union? If we have millions of people using our service, one day we can go to a Comcast and say, you have to treat all of our customers better mm-hmm. um, or you'll face havoc. You will do that. Yes. You will do that or else you'll just say, we're going to unleash legal documentation on you because everybody shares the same gripes. That's right. Right. And so when you, when th- this idea of people joining online has been lost over the years. There used to be a lot of stuff early on in the internet time when there was going to be a lot of buying together, there was going to be a lot of joining together. It sort of uh, shattered into a million ugly little pieces for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's lost. Everyone is too separated, but if you get people back together, then the big corporations will have to behave. So, Bill, so you, you have, you're a hedge fund manager. You make investments and things like that. You have a little more of a reputation for other things. But Well, I, I used to be a hedge fund manager. Right. I guess now I would probably characterize myself as uh, Putin's number one enemy. Yes, I, that's I, right. Yeah. I was a hedge fund manager in Russia. I um, ended up uh, exposing uh, corruption. I was expelled from the country by Putin, declared a threat to national security. Mm-hmm. My offices were raided. I hired a young lawyer named Sergei Magnitsky to help me defend myself. He uncovered a $230 million you know, Russian government corruption scheme, and um, he exposed it, and he was subsequently arrested in Russia, uh, put in pretrial detention, uh, tortured for 358 days, and killed mm-hmm. uh, 10 years ago at the age of 37. And so I put aside my hedge fund business entirely and now am a human rights activist focusing on 
justice for Sergei Magnitsky and justice for other victims of the Putin regime. And in terms of what you've done with that is the Magnitsky ask. Would you explain that? So um, we couldn't get justice in Russia because the people who killed Sergei um, were protected by Putin Mm -hmm. explicitly. He actually openly exonerated them. And so we said we need to get justice in the West. And um, how do we get justice in the West? Well, the answer is that the Russians who commit these crimes, who killed Sergei and do other similar things, they do it for money. They don't keep that money in Russia. They keep that money in the West. And so we said to ourselves, if um, if they value money so much that they're going to kill people and then they want to keep it safe in the West by making it, um, putting their money at risk, that may not be real justice in terms of prosecution for murder, but it certainly puts them in a very weak and vulnerable position. And so we came up with this idea of freezing their assets and banning their visas. And I first brought this idea to Washington uh, in 2010 Mm -hmm. with uh, a Democratic senator named Benjamin Cardin and Republican Senator John McCain. And uh, of all the things that people don't agree on in Washington, the one thing they could agree on was that uh, Russian torturers and murderers shouldn't come to America Mm -hmm. and shouldn't be able to spend their money here. And in uh, 2012, the Magnitsky Act was up for vote. It passed 92 to 4 in the Senate, 89% of the House of Representatives, and it became a federal law on December 14, 2012. And this became probably the, the single biggest irritant for Vladimir Putin because he's a human rights violator and he's got a lot of assets, and this puts his money at risk. So in terms of moving to do something like that, because a lot of it, you know, a lot of there's a lot of Russian players in tech and all kinds of stuff. And obviously the Russian interference in the elections has been in the news. But this is sort of more at the heart of their issues, right? The the money. So after the Magnitsky Act was passed, Putin said it it was his number one foreign policy priority to repeal the Magnitsky Act. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, there's a very famous meeting in which a Russian lawyer went to Trump Tower on mm-hmm. June 9th, yes. 2016. Her name was Natalia Veselnitskaya. She represented the Putin regime. And she was there specifically to ask Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, and um, Jared Kushner if Donald Trump is elected. This is before he was elected. If he's elected, would he repeal the Magnitsky Act? And it was on that basis and on the basis of Putin's general predisposition towards Donald Trump and away from Hillary Clinton that he pushed for Donald Trump to become the president of the United States because at the top of his list was repealing the Magnitsky Act. And mm-hmm. so in a very weird and strange way, this this one murder over my lawyer um, has led to the motivation for Russia to interfere in the U.S. elections. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> Unexpected consequences. Unexpected consequences. So you were doing your own thing. You were investing and things like that. Moving away into this area when you wrote about in Red Notice. What does that do? What does that do? To, I mean, it's interesting to, to be able to move away and, and create that. And then I want to talk about how you, you know, you have a son who's entrepreneurial. Well, he's also a, a justice activist. Right. And so, um, well, so what, what I discovered, um, I mean, I loved being a fine, uh, uh, an investment guy. I, I loved mm-hmm. the intellectual challenge and, you know, being right was measured by investment returns. And that was all very wonderful and, and very satisfying. And I would, and nothing wrong with it. But, but I have to say that fighting for justice is literally a thousand times more satisfying than fighting for money. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I'm most proud of with Josh um, was that um, he's found a way to combine the two in, in his life and his career. He's one of the most successful young people I know. Um, he started a company, he raised venture capital to uh, fight for consumer rights, to fight big corporations. 
and to sort of level the playing field. And so um, I'd like to think that that maybe their little bit of parenting had something to do with that. And, right. And, uh, so the concept, Josh, is that you've been, he's been doing it on a macro level. This is a major macro level, an international, global, macro level, and you're doing it on the micro level. How do they fit together? Is that, was that being a justice entrepreneur? Well, I think it's very different to fighting Russian torturers yes, and murders. Yes, of course. Yes, a, yes, a it is. Parking ticket bureaucrats. Although some parking ticket people are really awful. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I would say that I've learned from my father is that I'm never um, phased by anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, I remember waking up uh, when he was stuck in uh, Russia. Um, they were detaining him at the airport. I've seen really terrible things, and so when some lawyer or someone is after me, something that would scare the average person, really, I don't care that much. Right. So, talk about the idea of people's rights. On the internet, because I think you're at the heart. The reason I did want to talk to you is because you're at the heart of, an, uh, of I think, a growing feeling that the internet is controlling you, v- vice versa. And you could do this on privacy. You could do this all kinds of ways. Is that you're just an object to be acted upon, and you don't, you could haven't been able to use the powers of these amazing technologies for yourself, except for maybe finding a date or getting your car delivered to you at the right time. Yeah, I think that as we speak, people are brainstorming in every big corporation. How can you get the most money? How can you get the most data? Uh, Meanwhile, as a person, you're just feeling incredibly exploited and you need a way to fight back. So in terms of of, of creating a company, how much money did you raise? Uh, We raised 4.6 million in total. In total. And and is your company profitable yet? No. How do people get paid? Do they pay you for what? So uh, most of it is free, but if you're successful in some areas, there's a subscription of $3 a month. So we have a direct relationship with our customers. Meaning, what are they paying for? Paying for like, some services. For mm-hmm. example, we have this one service that automatically cancels all your free trials just like that. Oh, explain yeah. that, please. Please so, uh, explain that. Big companies use deceptive practices to yes. get your credit card. Yes, and then, I understand that. Yeah. yeah, And lots of people set calendar reminders, but they ultimately forget to cancel. And uh-huh. so what we've done is we created this free trial credit card that you mm-hmm. can use on all your subscription mm-hmm. free trials, and you never have to worry because when you use it, it will just cancel the free trial for you. For you? Yes. So after a month? And it's not linked to your payment service or bank account. And so it's just there that you can use on the internet, your personal free trial credit card. Which doesn't have any money on it, right? Which You pay because yeah. it's a free thing. So we figured out a That's way a to trick idea. all the big companies into That's getting past the payment idea. I just had a fight with someone over this. Yeah. This they kept going. Well, so so it, first of all, you don't remember to cancel after a month. And, and, if, oh, and if you do, these guys are... They make it difficult for you. So you can't cancel online. You've got to, like, call up something oh, and they put you on hold. I've been paying for AOL since 1996. Right. Well, if you, if you had subscribed to uh, Do I'm Not Pay. I'm going to. You, <laughs> no, not now. I'm too late. Too late. Too late for no, care no, no, switching. You, you can subscribe now. It's uh, it's open for a subscription. It's free for you. <laughs> no, I understand. Thank you so much. But I've already had a problem. that it, Oh, I could switch the credit card. No, I'm not on a free tra- Anyway, let's not go into my ridiculous problems with America Online that continue to this day, <laughs> yeah. 30, 20 years later. So, sorry. Go ahead. So, the idea is the idea of doing things that are not necessarily in the interest of taking advantage of people. We're looking at all the loopholes that exist in the world and trying to make it pro-consumer rather mm-hmm. than pro-corporation. Why do you imagine the internet has gotten so far away from that idea of consumers being the focus versus these corporations? 
I think uh, it's all down to uh, the budget. I, I'm not sure how big Facebook's budget is this year, but if you compare that to what the average American's budget is with a negative bank account, it can explain why they can afford to hire so many people to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So these are all just different things, any kind of loophole you're trying to find. Yeah, another one is we're very pro-pet owner. So we have this thing coming pro out. what? Pet owner. Pet so, owner, okay. So uh, if Who's you have, not? <laughs> yeah, everyone loves dogs and cats. <laughs> and so if you have a pet, you get charged airline fees, housing fees. So we figured out a way to get you out of all of that. What? And that's coming out soon as well. What do you mean? Um, so we have the pet emotional support animal classification, yeah, things like that. That's a scam, yeah. right? Come on, Josh. That's a scam. I think that... Um, I have a friend who like wants to bring an octopus on board, but go ahead, move on. <laughs> I mean, maybe an octopus, but 80% of America have anxiety and yes. pets can be really comforting for mm-hmm. that. And so we just want to make, and this thing already exists. You have to pay like $500. So it's available to the rich. What we want to do is make these tools available to everyone. I see. So I want to talk a minute about entrepreneurs when we get back, like what the entrepreneur mentality is among young people now. And then Bill, I'd like to talk to you. It's like the same thing sort of happens with services we use and the Russians taking advantage of those things. When we get back, we're here with Bill and Josh Browder. They're father and son, and they have some very different and interesting things they're doing, both related to the internet. Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. If you're an early adopter, you get that your devices and your connections need to be fast and help make your life better. But you might be forgetting one thing. Tech should be fair, too. Fairness isn't a new idea but it is to wireless. That's where U.S. Cellular comes in. At U.S. Cellular, people come first. And that means a fast, reliable connection with no hidden requirements and no activation fees. They'll even pay you back for unused data. When you upgrade to U.S. Cellular, you upgrade to FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com. We're back with Bill and Josh Broder. Uh, uh, Bill is the CEO of the Hermitage Capital Management, and Josh, his son, is the CEO of Do Not Pay. We've just been talking about his business. I want to get into like what it's like to be an entrepreneur today. But one of the things that you've zeroed on, even though you're dealing with sort of high-level international finance stakes, is the Russian continued abuse, use and abuse of platforms for their benefit and against the benefit of consumers, voters, and different, and and to manipulate people. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it does, like, the ability of them to do it so easily had a lot to do with how they're... So if you look at Russia right now, Russia uh, has got an economy the size of the state of New York. Mm -hmm. 
And the military budget is 90% less than the U.S. military budget. And it's such a corrupt country that 80% of the military budget gets stolen. So it's really 2% of the U.S. military budget. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're they're sort of – Vladimir Putin wants to be a a proud, muscular, aggressive country. But they can't do it on a symmetric basis. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they they go out and they try to find places where they can be asymmetric. In other Mm -hmm. words, where, where they can sort of hide in the shadows and cause trouble. And one of the best places to do that these days is the internet. And mm-hmm. the internet is all sort of plausibly deniable. It's all yep. diffuse. Nobody knows who's doing what to whom. And the Russians are good technologically. And when I say Russians, I should say certain people in the Russian part of the Russian government. Not all Russians are bad, but the the Putin regime is bad. And and they're out there, you know, on, on, a, on a very, very, what I would call low-cost, high-impact basis. They're, they've got this troll farm in St. Petersburg where the internet, um, uh, the research uh, agency. Um, and I, I know all about that because mm-hmm. I'm one of their targets constantly. Mm-hmm. If you if you ever want to tweet something nice about me, you'll have like 50 I'm tweets underneath you from the mm-hmm. troll farm from all these um, supposed Americans saying, saying terrible things. Try tweeting Anthony Scaramucci, see what happens. But go <laughs> exactly. ahead. It's, it's, go the ahead. Same, it's the same thing. And it's the technology which, um, which they've mastered. And, the, and they've mastered it on Twitter. They've mastered it on Facebook. And it's very, very difficult. It's difficult for two reasons to stop. One is there's no rules. There's no the, the legislation to say that um, people can't do it. Mm-hmm. And um, and it doesn't appear as if these companies, these major social media companies, have any proper um, barriers in place to stop it. Right. And they don't seem to feel responsible. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know, if if BP does an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, they get sued for billions and billions of dollars right. for the damage they caused. Facebook and Twitter um, have caused a lot of damage. There's no question. It's acknowledged. It's been proven. Um, but they're not taking any responsibility. And so until there is some— Well, they don't have to. Until there is, um, mm-hmm. this stuff is going to go on. And and uh, and I'm sure the Russians are all licking their chops right now, gearing up for 2020. Well, what's interesting is it's, I call it the new Cold War. Like, they've won—they'd lost the Cold War, and they certainly were inadequate to the task of winning it, by the way. I mean, on, I think we on, overstated their ability. On a symmetric basis, they lost it. But now mm-hmm. they're, they're playing plausibly deniable asymmetry, mm-hmm. and they're winning it right now. Vladimir Putin is just laughing at the chaos that he's created and all the anger, the the sort of intellectual and cultural civil war mm-hmm. that's been created with all of this stuff, which costs him nothing. You know, 100 million bucks, 200 million bucks is the cost of the budget of the Internet Research Agency and the other people that are doing this stuff. I mean, compare that to the military budget that they can't compete with. Right, which they never could, which they actually never could. You All, all you had to do is visit there to understand the difference. It's, which it's is... rotting at the seams. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been rotting for a long time. It has to be clear. Um, so when, when you're thinking about these things, Josh, when you're crea- as an entrepreneur now, one of the things that your dad's talking about is people that have created the Internet that have gotten, I wouldn't say cynical, that don't care about consequences. Talk about being a young entrepreneur now. Do you think people – how old are you? I'm 22. Right. So you're you're a different class of than the Zuckerbergs and the and then even before that the Google guys and stuff like that. But there seems to be a change. It seems to me in Silicon Valley coming among entrepreneurs that they're thinking about the impact of what they do. Is that am I wrong about that? I just seem to be talking to a lot more entrepreneurs that have a sense of social uh, commitment that has a sense of their impact that have a sense of what they what they're inventing matters like how they are inventing it matters I think among the entrepreneurs, definitely. Um, however, so I went to Stanford, and mm-hmm. still the majority of so students, you're like the actual ad for an entrepreneur, right? You went to Stanford. I'm not sure about that. Sand Hill, yeah. who's your VC? 
um, we have a lot of VCs. But probably all the Sandhill boys, right? Correct. Straight out of Silicon Valley. Yeah, straight out of Silicon Valley. So everyone at Stanford still wants to go work for Facebook Mm -hmm. or sometimes even Palantir, things Mm -hmm. like that. But the entrepreneurs definitely. defense. I would say that um, there's a lot of bad stuff being created as well. So Mm -hmm. you have to fight against that. So how do you think about that as an entrepreneur? Like, how can we create a class of entrepreneurs? That's why I wanted to talk to you. Is it young entrepreneurs that have a sense? Like, one of the things I always say when I give speeches to young entrepreneurs, I said, imagine, and I've done this, it's not a joke, but it's a pretty good joke. Um, I said, imagine that your invention is an episode of Black Mirror and then don't make it. Like, you know, and if you can think of, like, the the most terrible thing, but they never think about that. I want to get into the mentality of creators. Like, how do you change that? You you were trained at Stanford, where a lot of entrepreneurs are trained. You're right in the heart of Silicon Valley. How do you change that dynamic among engineers to understand that one thing they could do could have an effect in Myanmar or blank, blank, you know, whatever it is? So Stanford recently introduced uh, mandatory ethics classes. Mm -hmm. I support that. And I think that entrepreneurs should always, what we try and think of at Do Not Pay is what's the worst thing that can happen with every one of the products we make. Mm -hmm. So with the free trials thing, what if like everyone starts using it, no more free trials? That's kind of a bad situation. But um, similarly with the pets thing, everyone has their pets. It's not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think just taking it to that next level is really important. Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking of ethics, did you end up taking an ethics course? Do you uh, think they care? I did, yeah. Um, I took multiple ethics and philosophy. Mm-hmm. But do you think yeah. that as an as entrepreneur, like right now the entrepreneurs, and you can't put everyone in a lump, but you really can. This is a very homogeneous group of people, like type of type of person, not necessarily, but it's certainly not as diverse as it needs to be. It's certainly not as thoughtful as it needs to be. How do you change that as a young entrepreneur? I think that the good news is the market is changing it for a lot of these entrepreneurs. In the past, like the fashionable thing could have been like ad tracking technology to work on or things mm-hmm. like that. These days, um, unless you're, if you do the slightest thing wrong, Apple will remove you from the app store and mm-hmm. things like that. So there's a strong incentive to do the right thing as well. Right. But that's a financial yeah. incentive. What about getting through to entrepreneurs, their social impact? I think a lot of, uh, as a young person, a lot of um, ethics are formed in college, and so Mm -hmm. just drumming it into the students during college, wherever Mm -hmm. they are, if they go to college. Right. And do you imagine there should be other people making decisions at these companies, like, that aren't necessarily—one of my things is you've got to have more different kind. It can't be all run by engineers, necessarily. Yeah, I think lawyers are actually, although I think they're overpriced, they're surprisingly ethical people. So we need more lawyers in Silicon Valley. Uh, no. yeah. You've made a different kind of lawyer than I have. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be all replaced by AI, just yeah. in case you're interested. They can um, move to ethics. They can move. Yeah, right. Exactly. But, but, you know, Bill, when you're talking about this, this idea of letting this stuff go, like, you know, in, you could have let it go. You could have, you know, corruption is kind of like, Putin and corruption and goes together like, you know, chocolate and peanut butter, essentially. Um, You know, a lot of people told me when all this stuff was happening, you know, I should just, you know, let it go, Mm -hmm. go to ground, disappear, Mm -hmm. forget about it. And for me, I just wasn't able to do that. And and I think that there is something, you know, we we come from a long line of uh, justice people. My my grandfather, Josh's Mm great-grandfather, His political philosophy I don't agree with, but he was the head of the American Communist Party during mm-hmm. the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And um, he, Ooh, he— That's a spot to be in. <laughs> well, I mean, and he actually had probably—that was probably the, the, the high moment of the American Communist it Party. It was, indeed. Because, there was, um, because just, there was just such injustice where everybody was, you know, starving and, and mm-hmm. a few people had everything. And, and so there's been this— um, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether it's genetic or cultural that, that sort of runs through our family where— 
where um, uh, everybody, and uh, including Josh's little brothers and sisters, everybody just feels like a immense sense of anger and injustice. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know how you teach that. I, I don't know how how it comes what's, comes around. What's been the repercussions for you? For besides danger, presumably. Well, for You're me, just like the re- avoiding the re- umbrellas at all costs. Or? Well, the re- repercussions have been absolutely dramatic. Uh, the Russians have threatened to kill me. They wanted you back there, I remember. They, well, they threatened to kidnap me. They've gone after me using Interpol arrest warrants eight mm-hmm. times. I was arrested in Madrid last summer on a Russian Interpol arrest warrant. They've, uh, I live in London. They've applied to the British government uh, 12 times for mutual legal assistance and extradition. Um, and their uh, allegations are? that Well, I've been convicted twice mm-hmm. in Russian court and sentenced to 18 years in prison. They've accused me of murdering Sergei Magnitsky and murdering uh, four other individuals. They accuse me of being a spy, all sorts of stuff. That, I mean, it's uh, basically... I know that I've gotten right to right under Vladimir Putin's skin by the mm-hmm. amount of crazy allegations they've made against me, and in a certain way, I almost um, wear it as a badge of honor because um, if I wasn't being effective and 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 I and, and they weren't feeling it, um, they would you know they probably wouldn't be doing all this crazy stuff. Is there a chance that the Magnitsky Act? I mean, Trump is his pal. Great. Right? Does that worry you? The the closeness of the Trump administration to Putin. Um, well, it, it, um, there's two things. There's, there's Donald Trump himself and the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump himself is complete. He's off his head. Mm-hmm. And probably the most crazy thing that happened was last summer there was the first summit between mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And it was it took place uh, a couple of days after the, the the indictment. Robert Mueller indicted twelve Russian military intelligence officers. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the press conference after the summit, which was by the way held in secret without any right. any people there, I recall. Um, uh, no the, one had a pen. There, uh, there was no 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 witnesses from the U.S. side. Uh, and the journalist from Reuters raised his hand and said, uh, "President Putin, um, are you going to hand over the twelve uh, Russian GRU agents?" and and Putin, who obviously had been thinking about this all throughout the weekend, what his response was going to be, he said, um, well, it's not so simple as that. Uh, yes, we will, provided that um, uh, President Trump hands over Bill Browder. Mm-hmm. Me, yeah, I remember. And, and 11 of his um, uh, members of his criminal organization, which turned out to be Mike McFaul, the U.S. ambassador to Russia, yeah, him, yeah. Kyle Parker, the chief of staff of the U.S. Helsinki Commission that drafted the Magnitsky Act, Todd Hyman, who was an agent at the Department of Homeland Security that was prosecuting money launderers connected to the Magnitsky case, and, and a bunch of other people all somehow connected. And um, Donald Trump said, I think that's a brilliant idea. And it took him about four days to walk that back, and it was only one hour before the Senate voted 90, 98 to 0 that um, none of us should be handed over. Mm-hmm. And so Donald Trump, I don't know what, what, what's going through his mind. His administration is not like that. Um, I mean, at the same time as he was considering it, the uh, spokesperson from the State Department said it was absurd. The head of the FBI said that's not going to happen, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know what he's going to do. But, but I'm not as concerned about the Magnitsky Act being repealed for one simple reason, is that it requires a, an act of Congress. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I've I've met many members of both sides of the aisle, and whether, whether people you know criticize Donald Trump or not on the Republican side, they're not going to hand over. Or they're not going to they're not going to allow Russian tortures and murders to come back into America. So I think the Magnitsky the Saudi Act, ones, but go ahead. Uh, well, actually, interestingly, on Saudi, it's, it's another story. So uh, the Magnitsky Act has now been expanded to global to mm-hmm. go after bad guys globally, right. and after the um, Jamal Khashoggi um, uh, murder. Lindsey Graham and many other Republicans were pounding the table saying that these people should be sanctioned going right up to Mohammed bin Salman. And in the end, the the U.S. administration sanctioned 17 Saudis on the Magnitsky Act 
The one that Donald Trump wouldn't allow to be sanctioned is Mohammed bin Salman. But that doesn't mean that a future government won't. And in fact, I think MBS should be happy Trump is in place because any president, Democrat or Republican mm-hmm. in the future will hand that man over. Yeah. Then he could just play video games all day like he does, apparently, allegedly. That's what I understand. <laughs> anyway, when we get back, we're going to talk with Bill and Josh Browder. They are respectively the CEO of the Hermitage Capital Management and the CEO of Do Not Pay. They are also father and son. We're going to talk about sort of where entrepreneurism is going and also where some things we need to do to protect our elections going forward. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are in your neighborhood, ready to help personalize your insurance. And you can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. Visit statefarm.com today to get a great rate without sacrificing great service. That's statefarm.com. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're here with Bill and Josh Broder. Bill is the co-founder and CEO of the Hermitage Capital Management, and his son Josh is the CEO of Do Not Pay. Josh, where do you see, like, so you could you could endlessly do this, right? You could endlessly do all kinds of loopholes, like moving on, like from one to the next, correct? That's right. What we want to do is rope people in with one and then get them with all the loopholes. Right. And so the, the concept is sort of the, the, the way modern society is now is we become more digitized. We've been sort of attached to everything we do is digital. Who are the worst offenders in this area? Is it just every part of it or is it just analog things? Or You're you're talking about attacking online services or offline services, really. I think everyone is very upset about privacy and Mm -hmm. rightly so, but the biggest problem in the world is just incompetence. The Mm -hmm. Equifax data breach happened because they didn't use basic encryption. Mm -hmm. And we have that, there was Capital One, hundreds and hundreds of millions of people. Explain what happened there so people don't, most people do know, but not everybody knows. Millions and millions of accounts and then hundreds of thousands of social security numbers just released um, because they didn't encrypt it properly. Mm -hmm. And um, as like a, it it takes like one Stanford computer science class to learn how to do that. And it's amazing that these corporations with billions of um, like assets can't even do it properly. And so I think every week there's going to be another data breach and things like that is the real concern for consumers. So what do you, when you think about that, I mean, obviously you're using it as a business opportunity, as an entrepreneur to do that um, at the same time as protecting people. How do you change the mentality of Silicon Valley to think like that? Because these are, like, there's not that many companies like yours. There aren't. There's some that, you know, where you can, I suppose the closest analogy would be to VPNs, where you're going to be protected when you're surfing the internet to protect your privacy or what you're searching on so you don't get marketed to endlessly, which is another big problem, being marketed to endlessly. Yeah. I see it all as incentives. And so if you can just punish the bad actors um, with maximum pain, which is what Do Not Pay is trying to do, then eventually, hopefully, we'll live in a world where they hire competent people and encrypt people data mm-hmm. and also don't spam them with ads endlessly. Do you think that will change? I just interviewed uh, Gabe Weinberg, who's the head of uh, DuckDuckGo. He's the founder of DuckDuckGo. And, you know, he's talking about why not, why are we doing uh, behavioral ads at all, for example, you know, beha- when, when contextual ads are just as lucrative in some ways. I think it's got a long way to go to change. I mean, the um, Facebook FTC fine was not really a disincentive to no, anyone. So really. the, You're so kind, yeah. Josh. It was a parking ticket. Yeah, exactly. It I was hope like they a, don't use your service a, to try to get back their money. <laughs> yeah, slap on the wrist. I That's think we have assholes. a long way to go. Yeah. So w- what does that say as an entrepreneur when that happens, when a company like Facebook pays a small amount of money to have, and then, of course, which they made up in seconds? 
I'm a big believer in bottom-up change. Mm -hmm. um, that's obviously a top-down change. It's big government coming in. Um, the government is not going to do anything. It's, uh, it takes consumers coming together to make a real change, you, in my opinion. What regulation from the government would you like to see? I think you should have like massive fines, like $10,000 per consumer for mm -hmm. data breaches automatically right. applied, things right. like that. Right. I wanted $50 billion in the FTC. What do you think? I think that was just like... I think that's a discount. That's Don't you yeah. think? You think that's not enough? That's, uh, yeah, I mean... $50 billion, they'd be like, what? Wait a minute. I'm I think it has to truly ruin yacht. these companies. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of money. So one is disincentives to do the things. Yeah. What about the, the an idea of... Of people investing in things that do, because there is a point where I think consumers are going to control, take back, as they did with entertainment in a lot of ways. Entertainment held people hostage. You had to buy 12 songs on an album. You had to see this movie when. You had to sit down at this point. And they had total control over your entertainment watching. And I think people seized first illegally and then quite legally. Yeah, in the UK, we have this new laws coming out, I think th yes. throughout Europe, called PSD2, which means that all your financial data is yours and every company holding it has to create APIs. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we need similar stuff in the US, data and, portability. And what about the idea, not just data portability, but yeah. the idea that your data is yours? I think so. I think uh, if someone is making money off of it, then they should give you a royalty at I least. Agree. Yeah. A vague, right? Yeah. Or something like that. And why doesn't that take hold? Because they want all the money for themselves besides the fact they're greedy. Yeah. There's a whole black market where you can just buy email addresses and things. It's mm -hmm. really terrible. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking about, you know, doing these kind of things, you're exactly, the reason I did want to talk to you is because one of the things we're talking about, I, I, you kind of want to appeal to these companies to do it for the, for the right reason. And then I'm like, you, one of the reasons for the breakup, for example, if you break up YouTube or Google, or if you break up, into three people, whatever you do, whatever you take off of Facebook. The next morning, YouTube's got to be saying, you know what, maybe, or or there's room for someone else to say, I'm going to create a video service that actually protects kids. I'm going to create a video, a search service that doesn't track you as much. I'm going to create, like, you get in the mentality of choice so that you appeal to something that people want that they didn't know they wanted. Yeah, I think that uh, for the big corporations, it will take um, them competing with each other to make this happen. So with the new uh, iPhone update, mm -hmm. the sign-in with Apple. Apple yeah, what do you saying, think of that? I th I'm, I'm split. On the one hand, it's very anti-competitive. Mm -hmm. On the other hand... Because why? Why? Because you're locking people into the Apple ecosystem. And Android is a great system as well. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, um, forcing developers to implement privacy changes is great. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. Google and Facebook, I'm sure they really hate the, they whole, hate the whole policy. Oh, yeah. They hate it, which is mean I think it's good. That's yeah, why I that's think great. When yeah. they start complaining to me, the billionaires start kvetching about their poor lives. It's always a plus for me. Um, but, but in terms of entrepreneurs, and I'm not saying for good because it should be a financially lucrative thing. How do you look at this as a business? You're not doing this just because you're a nice guy and want to get people out of parking tickets. Um, I think that creating an amazing service will ultimately be a great business opportunity. Mm -hmm. And if your incentives are aligned with your customers, I think that's the most important thing. For us, our subscription only starts if people save money. Right. So our thing is, how can we save the money or get them success as quickly as possible? That's how businesses should be thinking. With Facebook, the customer of Facebook is the advertiser, not mm -hmm. the user. Yes, yes, yeah. we, we realize that. Um, but but in, and lastly, for you, when you're thinking about being an entrepreneur and raising money, it's quite a frothy and environment right now. Capital is everywhere. Yeah. Um, I always use the expression, there's not enough rat holes to shove the money down. What is that like as an entrepreneur right now? There's A lot of entrepreneurs are getting too many rights, for example, con complete control over the company, stock. Like you look at the WeWork IPO and you say, oh my God, like that's sort of the, 
the ultimate in like complete investor abuse in some ways. I think they will all come back to bite them um, ultimately uh, when the market crashes. So that is uh, one of the benefits of having like a financial family is that I don't mm-hmm. buy into any of this bubble stuff. So mm-hmm. I believe in like long-term success. Mm-hmm. And when, so when you're going out as an entrepreneur right now, what is the feeling in the market that you that you think is a problem and what do you think would be a good thing? Uh, there's way too much competition between the firms and I think you should just focus on the best partner Mm -hmm. rather than just getting as much money as possible. Right. And you you think about that. Oh, you're so normal. It's so lovely to talk to you. Anyway, and lastly, uh, let's finish up with you talking about the concept of where we go from here with the elections. What do we, how do we, like there's all this stuff stuffed up in the Senate right now. Uh, Moscow Mitch, apparently that's his nickname on Twitter. (laughs) So I've read, um, is stopping that. How do you look at those things? What do you, is this is something that you're pushing to change? Um, well, I'm not directly involved right. in the legislation. I, I, I'm, I'm interested in sanctions legislation, freezing right. their assets. However, I'm interested in everything to do with Russia. And, mm-hmm. and, the, um, and the Russians have not been penalized properly. No. They have not been punished. And, um, you know, sort of like that $5 billion FTC fine for Facebook, mm-hmm. um, they will be back. Mm-hmm. The Russians will be back. And right. they will be back um, in any way they can um, to try to achieve their objectives, which will be very inexpensive for them to do. And... and um, I mean, it's remarkable. If you th- I mean, so in, in, in Holland, for example, they were worried about um, Russian interference in their elections, mm-hmm. and they had started to automate their ballots. And what do they do? They went back to paper ballots. Right. And it's been determined, whatever, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, it's been determined that Russia interfered with the U.S. election. They interfered um, with, with um, social media, and they actually tried to get access to the voting machines. Yes. And so— it's illogical and inconceivable that there is not a uh, consensus, 100% consensus, that we need to tighten that up. And the fact that we haven't is is absolutely shameful. And there will be more interference in the future. And and, and the trouble with that is that it could cut any different way. Right. And yeah, so, the Russians so, could so, decide so, one Let's week just say that like. Trump loses the next mm-hmm. election. He'll then say, oh, it was Russian interference, and he's right. not going to accept the result. And so right. it, it's an absolutely— you know, the moment that people lose confidence in the democratic system, um, that's the, the the truly terrible third world situation that we'll have to deal with. And that's something that that um, will be just inconceivably bad for the future of this country. So what has to happen to sort of block the Russians? Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward that um, on the social media side, if someone were to change the rules to say that, you know, you can't have a Twitter account unless you're a person. You don't have to have, like, say who you are. You just have somebody has to have a, a record that you're like a real person. Mm-hmm. And then real people can say whatever they want. But mm-hmm. like fake people, bots can't. Yeah. And um, I, I would argue that um, Facebook shouldn't sell political advertising. I would argue the same. I mean, I mean it's not, it's how much money is enough? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just stop it, you yeah. know, um, and so, because anyone can do political advertising. And, right. and, and they have and they do. And then I think that unless. Uh, there's confidence that in these electronic ballots, just go back to paper ballots. Mm-hmm. Be done or with both. It. Both Microsoft is proposing both an encrypted uh, digital ballot, and which is, has a, a accompanying paper ballot that is, you have to th- match up. Th- this is this is not rocket science, mm-hmm. but the, the um, indigestion of the legislative system and the fact that there like no one's even willing to consider this is is in, in Congress is uh, well I should say in the Senate. Mm-hmm. The House actually passed the bill. 
the Senate didn't. Right. Uh, Hence at, Moscow Mitch, but move along. Moscow Mitch. I mean, even my, <laughs> some of my young children are like chanting Moscow Mitch. I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it, it's— Do you do that with them? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so all that stuff needs to be fixed, and, and it's not being fixed, and we're going to all be wondering what— what these guys were up to when the results come in in 2020. Mm-hmm. So what is your, what are you focusing in on now? Well, m- from from my perspective... Protecting the magnets. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Magnitsky Act is protected. My, from my perspective, um, there's two things I'm doing. One is to um, get other countries to pass the Magnitsky Act. We've mm-hmm. got the Magnitsky Act passed by the United States. We succeeded in getting a Canadian Magnitsky Act, a British Magnitsky Act, an Estonian, Latvian, and Lithuanian Magnitsky Act, the island of Gibraltar and Jersey have Magnitsky Acts, but um, the big prize is Europe, the EU. Mm-hmm. The Russians all travel to south of France, to Sardinia they and do Italy. like those, those villas there. The Marbella and Spain, mm-hmm. and, and they love that stuff. And if we can get an EU Magnitsky Act and those villas will get seized, they won't be able to travel. They'll be stuck, sentenced to life in Russia, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and that will be a huge, huge thing. It's sort of halfway there. Uh, the European, some of the good European countries um, are are pushing it forward. Uh, Hungary, um, which is uh, led by a man named Viktor Orban, who's I've a buddy of, of Putin, mm-hmm. is trying to stop it. Um, you've got other countries like Italy, where you have Salvini, who is mm-hmm. the um, uh, best friend of Putin, who's also trying to stop it. And so it's, 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 down, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle in the EU, but we're, that, that's our big thing. The other thing we're, which we're trying to do is we figure out who got the money, who got the $230 million dollars from the corruption scheme that my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, exposed and was killed over. And we found that money and in going through a lot of different countries, through a lot of different banks. And we are working with law enforcement in 16 different countries to have the bankers prosecuted and the money frozen. For the guys who value money more than human life, those people, when their assets get frozen, get very upset. And that's yeah. a good thing. Well, good. All right. Thank you so much, both of you. I love when a son son and father do social justice and and use the internet for profit. Fun. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, Again, Josh Browder, his company is called Do Not Pay. um, And I'm going to use it for a couple of things now that I realize I can do that. And Bill is still working on these issues around Russia and their complete abuse of financial systems, the internet, etc. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Erica Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at HeyHeyESJ. Bill and Josh, where can people find you online? Twitter, at Bill Browder. And Twitter, at JBrowder1. Okay, great. And I'm going to praise you to see what happens. And then I'll say Strasvite to all of them. And, you know, (laughs) that's what I do. There you go. I was talking to a a reporter who was responding to Russian bots, and I actually texted him, like, those are Russian bots. Stop talking to them because they won't respond properly. Or sometimes they do. Oh, they go into long conversations. They can, yeah. They're up all night in St. Petersburg. I know, know? literally. You can (laughs) catch them. There's ways to catch them with certain words you can use. Anyway, if you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Recode Media, Pivot, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. HBO Max brings all of HBO to your fingertips, plus an epic list of new Max originals. Whether you're into animation, classic movies, or binge-worthy series, HBO Max's suggested collections are curated by real humans, not robots, so you find the right thing to watch every time. 
With thousands of options for you and the family to choose from, it's the streaming platform of your dreams. HBO Max, where HBO meets so much more. Start streaming now at HBOMax.com. Hey, 